0: Thanks for watching, this is James Black with the Canadian Securities Exchange. I'm joined today with Marin Asan from Permix Petroleum, and we're gonna talk about oil and gas today. This is the Canadian Securities Exchange podcast, and I'm excited to talk about um, what has been in the news quite a bit, uh, Marin, about uh, prices and the dynamics of the oil and ga- gas market can make you um, lose a lot of sleep if you, if you look at it too closely, but we're gonna to try to break it down today because you are a small-scale producer operating in Texas and New Mexico, publicly traded on the CSE, and I think you've got a great vantage point to explain to people and investors what it is you do, but also what's happening in the general world of oil and gas so that they can make better informed investment decisions and uh, possibly look at your company too. So why this business? What brought you to oil and gas? Uh, why have you stuck through it? Cause I know there's good years, bad years, hard times. <laughs> it's not for the meek, right? And even I know you relocated and everything with your family to be closer to the project. What did it is. What is it about this that keeps you coming up? Uh, every day to to try and, and build this in this industry
1: listen as i, I don't know if you even know this my uh, my background's pre-med originally my entire yeah. family's physician so i i converted and i stopped um going that route because of the, ima- the the amounts of challenge within this industry the this industry is tied to every single thing on a daily basis that we do the challenges the the benefits everything's derived from it whether you like it or not Oil and natural gas is the core component of the world. And I enjoy working in the sector, whether it be through peaks and valleys with teams and, and moving it forward. It's something that I continue going for generations and generations. I'm going to keep in my family going from you know medicine to oil and natural gas. So uh, I am intrigued by it. I believe this industry is not going to disappear suddenly in 2050 as a lot of people wish. I believe that we're going to get cleaner and better utilizing this industry and that is the way it should
0: go what 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 is happening in the world today because we see that biden is releasing all this uh, uh oil uh, oil from the reserves mm-hmm. uh, opec is increasing production uh we now have a new variant of the uh the virus uh spreading across the globe impacting uh, prices what is going on how can you best explain the dynamics impacting oil and gas prices right now
1: and uh anything with boring within our sector i mean you are correct. Biden did do a $50 billion release of uh, a barrel resi- release from the SPR. Uh, now, that was needed. Again, it's controversial here in the US. Again, I'm in the Dallas uh, Metroplex. And we always look at things differently. OK, so if, if you want gas prices to drop, why did you bring all of these red tapes to the industry so the shale producers would not produce as much And now you need the production. And now you're trying to tell Saudi Arabia to flood the market. So it becomes political. That is where um, what I'm glad that's not happening is in 2020, when prices crashed and for the first time WTI went to negative pricing in history, it was headbutting more than anything between Russia, US and Saudi Arabia or flooding the market. Now it's the opposite. Saudi, yes, they agreed to a degree of increased production, but they're not flooding the market. And one thing you'll notice, resiliency and more conservative bases out of the shale producers is they're not opening the taps, so to speak. Keep in mind, shale or oil production is a little bit different than the rest of the world. You require various recompletion techniques to these rocks for them to come online, so it takes a long time before they can open the tap. And I'm glad they're disciplined enough, and we are as well, that we're not opening the taps. That's one that's tied to, to oil prices itself and the SBR. Uh, yes, we have the um, the variant again with COVID coming in. But what we're seeing is the market is actually baking it into the oil prices already. Uh, I have an analogy that I look at the way the COVID is going as not anymore as a triage, but an outpatient the triage was back in 2020 when it hit the market. The global economies had to shut down everywhere. Now the variants are not in triage format. So what we're seeing is an overreaction, and it's being baked into the prices. That's why, personally, uh, within our industry, we believe oil prices will correct back upwards. Uh, I, I mean, Goldman's saying is 130. We're not saying 130. They're, they're quite optimistic. Uh, we do see it correcting back up in Q1 to above that 75, 76 level.
0: Right, right. And so obviously, one of the narratives here is that inflation is causing some of these uh, movements, um, you know, from Biden and, and his request of OPEC to increase production, you know, things are getting more expensive, prices are going up. And uh, you see it, you know, now I go to the the, the gas uh, station, and I see the prices have dropped off the last week. And I guess that means it's working. What, what does that tell the common investor who's obviously putting gas in their car about what's happening in the market? Is there a correlation?
1: Sure, I'm not going to dive into the political side of things. I think that's, that's that's something we need to stay away from. But sure. one thing I can uh, I can tell you, the release of the SBR had nothing to do with the correction in the price. Okay, you pull up the dates that the SBR release went forward. Didn't impact it. Okay, you would have thought it would, it didn't. But the COVID variant is what's impacting prices because a global shutdown again is being baked into the prices on futures contracts, and that is where you're noticing the prices have decreased. Will they stay? Honestly, I don't believe so. Again, these these shutdowns are all temporary. It, it will go back up. Thankfully, we are in, in Dallas Fort Worth area. We don't pay much for gas out here. You guys pay much higher prices. <laughs> You're a lot closer but, to uh, it. yeah. That is correct. That is correct. Yes.
0: Okay. Well, let's let's talk then about Permex because you know as I, I opened this whole interview with is that you guys are in Texas. You are in New Mexico. Just describe to us what it is that you guys are looking for. How you're getting it and and why you're in the particular regions and geography that you are.
1: So uh, we're in the Permian Basin. The Permian Basin is one of the largest oil and gas producing regions in the globe right now. In fact, if you really want to see the production out of the, out of the Permian Basin, if you take the production and, and put it on a nation level, it would be the fourth largest nation producing state. So that is how big the Permian Basin is as far as production. Um, It has grown substantially over the past few years. Technology and various uh, formations that have been found, the way to produce them has grown. And and Permax has looked at this region for quite some time. In fact, we started looking back in 2012, but the prices were at a premium, so we did not get involved. In fact, we waited and waited until 2014 and 15 and started accruing small positions in the Permian Basin and have continued growing in that space. Now, yes, we're a junior oil and gas company, but our operations are actually vast. Uh, We've had quite a bit of shareholders come out to the fields, review the fields, and our operating site, we own 11,700 acres. That's over 12 contiguous acres that we own in this region, and that is a large amount. Uh, as a company, we've looked at this area as low capex, low opex to a degree, the formations that we target. And that is why we've continued in this region. There is no better area to invest to get the highest return when oil prices are correcting upwards, and we've done that.
0: So Marin, uh, tell me this, you got all the big producers and big players in that region. H- how did you get a foothold and what is allowing you to be a part of that uh, ecosystem?
1: Sure, that's a great question. So. The way a lot of companies work is they try to go for large acreage positions, large producing formations, maybe seven to eight benches in producing formations. That's something we go for after. Uh, However, the difference is the Chevrons, the Apaches, they're not looking for properties that are, you know, 10,000, 11,000 acres. They go into properties that are 200,000, 300,000 acres. Those are the style of properties they go after, which is too large. But to juniors like us, a smaller place and make more sense economically they're in the core area still and size-wise enough for us to be able to handle and that is why we're
0: there right so is there a potential downstream for them to to partner with you to to increase their position or, or is it no. something where it's working the other way where you're going to keep growing by uh acquisition?
1: Well, there's two sides to that. So some of the properties that we purchase, they might be in the offset regions of these producers that want to continue growing in that area and see us as small player to buy us out. Absolutely. That is, that is in existence on some of our properties. Because again, keep in mind, Permian Basin is so vast. There is the eastern shelf, the central shelf, and the western shelf. We are across all of it. And this is approximately, I want to say, 30 to 40 counties that's a significant amount. So on some of our acreage, yes, we would be a buyout potential. On some of the acreage, we'd be a development potential. In fact, Permex Petroleum currently is looking to drill and develop some of our acreages starting in Q1 22, which is quite exciting. Oil prices correcting upwards. Permex starting to drill and convert our reserves from proved to producing.
0: Right. And so let's talk about the Delaware sub-basin then in New Mexico. How does that you know compare and contrast to what you guys are working with uh, on the Permian?
1: So the Delaware Subbasin is a component of the Permian Basin as a whole. The only difference is as the formations, I I always uh, mention this, and then my geologists laugh. Think about a cake with multiple layers underneath. As you go west into this cake, the layers go deeper, but they become thicker, those layers. So this is no different. As you go west in the Permian, you go into New Mexico, which is Eddy County and Lee County, the formations still there, they just become deeper. And now you have to expend more capital expenditure to produce. them. Now, Permex has these. That is why we have not marketed or, or uh, issued any type of news stating that we're going to develop our New Mexico properties right now, because we're not. Those are properties that will require seven, eight, nine million dollars per well bore to drill and develop and frack and put on production. That is something that economics are very nice, but we're not going to be doing that anytime soon within the next 24 to 36 months.
0: Perfect. And uh, tell me, I, I, going through your materials, I see the term royalty interest quite often in how you guys, um, you know, modeled your business. Can you talk a bit more about that and how an investor can interpret how it is that you're generating these royalties from your uh, from your wealth?
1: I think the best way to do it would, would be to dis- disclose what we are and what the royalty is in conjunction with it. Perfect. So we're an oil and gas operator. So we actually own and operate our own properties on federal, state and private land in New Mexico and Texas. So we own that. However, there's a component called royalty interest. It's no different than back in the day when we had income uh, trusts. Same component. Uh, The way it works is we own royalty interest, so fractional royalty interest, in the production of oil and natural gas operated by other companies. Who are these other companies? Apache, Conoco, Exxon, all the large caps. What benefit is it to Permex? Well, when oil prices crashed, Royalty is derived from the revenue driven from the field. It's at its lowest component. That is when you buy. So we began buying. In fact, that was the first time we considered the royalty interest to be an ancillary income generating avenue for Permex Petroleum. As such, we have 73 wells and we own royalty interest operated by all large caps, no small caps. And as they continue drilling and developing those properties, Permex continues to reap the benefits side by side on a fractional basis with them.
0: Wonderful. That's that's good to know. And and now reviewing the team, other than yourself, obviously you're surrounding yourself with uh, uh, an expert group of board members and on-field staff. One name in particular that I know you wanted to discuss today was J.P. Bryant. And um, J.P. obviously brings uh, a real depth of experience. I'm just reading off his bio here, but Texas Entrepreneur of the Year in 1994 and Canadian Oil Producer of the Year in 1995. Um, I assume they don't hand those out like candy. What, what is it about J.P. that... Um, you know, what does he bring to your team and why are you excited to have welcomed him uh, recently to to your board?
1: Or JP, I should say as an advisor. Yeah, J, JP's involved in the oil and gas sector for, for decades. And I, I think the most notable one for Canadians, since we are on the Canadian Security Exchange, is Gulf Oil Canada. If we pull up Gulf Oil Canada in the 90s, they used to be the fourth largest oil and gas producer. However, it was going bankrupt. So they were seeking an individual with expertise within the sector to come in and fix the problem. J.P. Bryan left Houston and moved to Calgary and began um, working the company on, uh, and, and essentially fixed Gulf Oil from a bankruptcy to a $3 billion company back then. He was a savior of that industry. Now he has come back to Houston. He has continued in that route. He is quite uh, involved in various oil and gas companies internationally as well. And we are proud to have him as an advisor and a board member to join Permax to continue in our drilling components. So as we begin drilling and growing this company to have someone like JP Bryan be involved, and this is not a passive board member, he's an active board member, it's great to have
0: yeah and and that's why I want to stress advisor. It seems to me based on our discussions he's very hands on and wants to get his hands dirty. Yes. Uh, no pun intended here and, and just just hop out and that's that's fantastic to have that uh, wisdom at your disposal. How do you see this industry cleaning up or at least perceptually being cleaner we can we don't have to debate whether you know what's dirty versus other things. It's just that obviously the oil and gas industry has been targeted with with a perception yeah. and um it, 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 You know, any comments you have on that or or what you... I have a lot of
1: comments on that, but we won't (laughs) jump into them. Honestly, though, the way you have to look at it is the dirty oil, the, the industry used to be 30, 40, 50 years ago. It is no longer the same oil and gas industry with the amount of regulations put in place. It is not the same oil and gas industry that it used to be. Between, for instance, in Canada, honestly, I believe Canadians are one of the cleanest producing oil and natural gas operators out there. But unfortunately, that's not the way it's perceived pulling up the U.S. I mean, from a transportational standpoint, transporting oil and natural gas, the safeties associated with it, with the saltwater disposal facility injections, with the clean water separation. We have done so much in this industry to clean it up in in comparison to 30 years ago, and there's still more room to do so. So I do not believe this industry is dirty. Uh, I believe the image has been scuffed up significantly. In fact, I'll give you one example. Uh, Wind turbines. Everyone thinks they're the cleanest thing out there. They're not. Uh, The one wind turbine, the amount of energy it generates, it it requires to be built, will never be generated from that one wind. Where do you think it ends up? Uh, If you look at lithium batteries, same problem. So all of them are derived from it anyways. What we need to do is not stop it, but make it better and cleaner.
0: Interesting. I look forward to seeing that future with you. And uh, you know, with that, I'm going to ask anyone who's watching today, please subscribe if you're not already. Um, this was it with Mayor Eason with Permex Petroleum. Symbol is really easy. It's O I L oil on the CSE. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for sharing some of your thoughts about the industry, how to uh, look at oil prices, what you guys are doing. Looking forward to a future where uh, we keep using oil the way we do today uh, in, a, in a sustainable fashion. Thanks again.